Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. But then, we, you know, let's be clear about this, too. Let's get back to this hotline. Let's go to the uh, North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and bring in Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. Uh, and Chris, of course, is the beat reporter for the Cleveland Cavaliers. What's going on, Chris? G. Bush, man. How are you? Man, I'm good, man. Great to talk to you today, man. No, I didn't want to talk to anybody else. I couldn't get, I, I didn't want nobody else. I wanted this perspective. Um, you've been talking of, you covered the Cavs. When LeBron left the first time, you covered the Cavs when he came back. You covered the Cavs when they won the championship. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Five years since, mm-hmm. you know, they, they break the curse and, and the Cavs, um, you know, in the drought in Cleveland. Um, does it seem like more than five years or less than five <laughs> years that the Cavs uh, kind of broke that curse? Because for me, it seems like that was years ago, like 20 <laughs> years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I feel like it was like 10, 15 years ago, something like that. Maybe it's because of all the bad basketball that has happened um, in terms of record-wise with the Cavs since LeBron left. But, yeah, I'm with you. It does. It feels like 10, 15 years ago, something like that. In saying that, though, G. Bush, like the amazing thing about that is like it's still one of those moments that's ingrained in you despite feeling so long ago you still remember so many little intricate details of game seven of that series itself um, of, of some of the things that the guy said throughout the course of that series. Uh, That's the thing that really stands out to me, despite it feeling like it was so long ago. I remember, I mean, I obviously, how many people you talked to said they cried? Like I cried (laughs) when they won. Um, you know, I went downtown when they won. I was running around. I was just looking for somebody. Now, this is prior COVID. Obviously, we wouldn't do this today in 2021. I was right. just looking for somebody to hug or or just say, yo, we won. <laughs> that level of excitement um, was, was, was exhilarating. Um, when you look, look back at, at that time period, um, what signifies uh, that time period to you uh, uh, the most? What, what, what stands out the most? Um, is it the Warriors and, and those epic battles that they had on Christmas Day or those seven-game series that they had? Or was it the, you know, the games? I even remember some of the games prior to that when they won the championship. I remember how great uh, LeBron was in one of the finals where Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. I remember the last year he was here and all of the great shots that he hit with the team that just got put together in four weeks. Um, what 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 signified that era for you, especially during this uh, the 2016 run? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things, obviously. Um, if you think back to that era, the Warriors stand out because of the way that they did it, because of um, how successful they were in the regular season and in the postseason. Um, the other thing that stands out to me, G. Bush, is just the combination of LeBron and Kyrie. Um, I don't know if we felt it. Maybe we did. I don't know if we felt it in that four-year stretch, just how dominant those two were together, just how great those two were together. And in a way, you know, LeBron's decision to come back to Cleveland tied into Kyrie being here. There had to be some kind of basketball-related reason to drive LeBron back to Cleveland. It couldn't just be the emotional ties, the love that he had for Cleveland, wanting to undo the black mark on his resume of the decision, wanting to deliver on a promise. But Kyrie was here, and that was a draw to LeBron. That was always a draw to LeBron. And he had always talked about Kyrie in these glowing ways, even when LeBron was in Miami. But coming here, there were times early on that you were like, I don't know, is Kyrie the right person, right? Is this going to work? Is he the quote-unquote winner that LeBron needs, right? Can LeBron help him become that? If you remember early on when these guys got together, including Kevin Love with the big three, you know, they didn't rip through the league. I think they started 19 and 20 or something along those lines. So there were some kinds of lingering questions, and, and there were there were also times where like LeBron made Kyrie um, learn how to be a facilitator and a passer, and, and LeBron would just stand in the corner while the team failed over and over and over again to kind of like teach those guys a lesson about, hey, this is the right way that you have to play and things along those lines. So there were questions initially at times about whether it could actually work with them together. And they became one of the best duos that, that we have seen in the NBA over the last 10, 15 years, especially once you got to the playoffs, that's something else that really, really stood out to me. And then the other thing G Bush is the obvious is it felt like we were watching Lakers Celtics, like that kind of rivalry between two teams dominating for a four year stretch in this era of NBA basketball where there's free agency, where there's super teams, where there's player empowerment, I don't know that we're ever going to get that kind of thing again where there's so much animosity between players and players, between fan base and fan base, between broadcaster and broadcaster on the other side. There was a lot of bad blood between those two teams for four years, and you could just feel it. Um, every time those two teams played, even when they got together in the regular season. I want to get in a time machine. I love science fiction. I love a good, uh, I love a good timeline. Uh, even though I think Terminator has ruined the timeline right now, I don't, I, I don't know what you guys are doing over there. But I love a good movie with a good timeline. So let's get in the time machine and go back and play a little devil's advocate. If we get back in the time machine, Chris. And mm-hmm. we go back, and David Griffin is still with with the Cavs. Do you think? How do you think that changes things moving forward? If if Dan Gilbert just gives David Griffin an extension, how does that turn things? Yeah, I think the only thing G. Bush that that maybe possibly would have been different is that David Griffin, because of his experience. Um, because of his relationship with Kyrie Irving, he might have been able to get a little bit more for Kyrie in terms of a trade. Um, He might have been able to handle that kind of situation a little bit better. Maybe it's waiting longer to trade Kyrie. 
maybe it's um, trying to smooth it over in terms of Kyrie's feelings, although I think that was probably a lost cause. But Griff was always that guy kind of behind the scenes. It was a chaotic team. Everybody knows that. You had a lot of different personalities in that locker room. LeBron, Kyrie, J.R., Amon Shumpert at times. So Griff was always that person who could pull Kyrie to the side, who could pull LeBron to the side, who could pull J.R. Smith to the side, and kind of like smooth over, not fix everything, but smooth over enough where um, some of those issues could be masked in a different kind of way. And I think because of the relationship that Griff had already established with Kyrie that Kobe Altman simply didn't have, like that situation, the ending of that situation, and what maybe the Cavs could have gotten in return for Kyrie and how that situation was handled probably would have been different. That was really, really difficult for a first-time GM to step into that situation. But would Kyrie have stayed? No, I don't think so. Would LeBron have stayed? No, I don't think so. Not even Griff was going to save that. Uh, talking to Chris Feeder on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He is the uh, beat reporter for the Cleveland Cavaliers um, at Cleveland.com. You, you, you were right right to where I was going. Uh, you said, right, just, just a second ago, you don't believe um, that they would have stayed. Um, mm-hmm. Do you believe, and this is just uh, overall, over the over the landscape of – uh, of the entire basketball, uh, I guess, the basketball landscape, do you think that top players like LeBron, Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, do these guys already – because in my opinion, I think they already have mapped this out. It doesn't mm. matter what happens while they're at a certain place or at a certain stop. It, it just happens – they're going to force their way out after a certain period of time. Do you think it was always something that Kyrie and LeBron, before they even got together in 14, do you think that they were already saying, oh, I only got a couple years. I'm going to do this until 16 and I'm out or 17 and I'm out. Was that predetermined prior to Griffin, prior to all of this? I don't think that was predetermined in that kind of sense. I think it was, you know, ride this out as long as possible and let's just kind of see what happens, right? But relationships sometimes fracture. Um, and sometimes in life, you're looking for the next big thing. You know what I mean? Like, G. Bush, if, if you were a co-host of a radio show, let's say it was afternoons on 92.3 The Fan. Like, at some point, you would get to a point in your career and in your life where you want your name on the marquee, right? It's great that you're a co-host. It's great that you're part of that. But you didn't get in this business to be the number two, did you? I don't nah, think so. bro, give I mean, me that bag. Into this yeah, exactly. You get into this business to have your name on the marquee, to stand out, to be the one. Um, you want that opportunity. You want that challenge. And, and I think Kyrie was always going to get to a point in his career while playing alongside LeBron where he was like, you know what? What can I do on my own? Like, what's it going to be like for me if I get in a situation like LeBron? Can I be that kind of guy? And that was never going to happen with LeBron. And maybe there was a situation where LeBron said in his career, hey, you know what? It would be really, really interesting to go to L.A., um, everything that that, that, that entailed, um, to, to revive the Los Angeles Lakers. 
maybe he had that thought in the back of his mind, but you know, a lot of things had to line up and um, a lot of the circumstances obviously dictated that. So I don't think when LeBron came in 2014, he was like, you know what, 2018, um, when my contract is eventually up, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be really, really appealing, and that's where I want to finish my career, or whatever the case may be. I think it's always a wait and see, um, and let's just see what happens while understanding that each player, regardless of where they are, each player has a different level of motivation, and each player has a different drive of things that they want to accomplish throughout the course of their career. And for some, um, a location is based on that, and for others, location doesn't matter or things along those lines. You know, look at, looking back at that 2016, um, and I look at that roster and I just look at um, one of the most difficult parts for me is to see basketball played at such a high level. Even when I turn on, um, even when I turn on NBA playoff basketball, I mean, you mm. know, you covered the game. You know that it's a different level. Uh, the shot making, um, yeah. the room for the the slim margin for error. No game is over. People can come back. Uh, I mean, guys have shot hands in people's faces. They're injured and they're still hitting these shots. Does it demoralize you? Um, Chris, or do you think when you look at the Cavs roster as now, as constituted, do you look and say, whew, they're a long way away? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reality, right? When you shift from the mode that the Cavs were in into this mode that they're in now. And I think you can look at the playoffs and look at some of these teams and try and stack them up against the Cavs. And it does feel daunting, right? Because you're like, Okay, how do they get to that point? How do they acquire those kinds of players? How do they get to a point where they can play any kind of style? If they got to go big, they can go big. If they got to go small, they can go small. Um, and this this roster is incomplete at this point in time. So it does feel like they are a long way away, and it does feel daunting. Um, but at the same time, you can look at a team like Atlanta – and you can look at a team like the Phoenix Suns. And I'm not saying that the Cavs have the same kinds of pieces to do these kinds of things. But those teams are evidence of if you get the right players, if you make the right moves, you can make those steps. And you can make those steps quickly. Um, now, in the case of Phoenix, it wasn't quick. <laughs> They've been rebuilding for 10 years. <laughs> It took them 10 years to get back to the playoffs, and it took an unprecedented move to get a guy like Chris Paul. But for Atlanta, you know, it was year four of, of doing this rebuild, of trying to build through the draft, um, and now here they are. So obviously it depends on the kinds of players that you can acquire. We wouldn't have any kind of conversation about the Atlanta Hawks if they didn't have somebody like Trey Young. We wouldn't be having a conversation about Phoenix if they didn't have somebody like Devin Booker. So once you get that guy that you can build it around, I think it becomes easier to see the path to that, right? That's what all of these playoff teams have, that elite star-level player that they can build the whole thing around, and the Cavs don't have that. And until you have that, it does feel really far away, and it does feel daunting. Yeah, I, I, I look at it, and for me, it's the Hawks. I, there's, there's, because I look at it and I say, okay, well, 
the Mavericks were just picking high like we were. And the Hawks mm-hmm. were just picking high like we were. Sure. And, you know, a team like the Denver Nuggets a couple years ago, they were nowhere to be found, you know. Mm-hmm. When you look and you can compare yourself to those teams, you you look at it and say, oh, I see why you have Trey Young. Oh, I see you have Luka. Yeah. But even a team like the Knicks, who they have a mis- mixed match of uh, parts and Julius Randle and different things like that. Do you think the Cavs are more closer um, to getting to the playoffs in the way that the Knicks built it or closer getting to the playoffs the way, per se, the Hawks did it? Well, both of those are really tough examples. One, because um, they're free agency destinations. Guys will go to Atlanta in free agency. You saw that. They acquired Danilo Gallinari. They got Bogdanovich. And you can say the same thing about the Knicks. Now, they haven't been a free agency destination, but there's always that kind of allure that if they get their organization to a competent place, then maybe the perception is going to change, and then you have the big market and you have everything else um, that falls into place. So those are hard examples, but but I think Atlanta is probably the more likely one because New York kind of skipped a lot of steps, and they did it with these shortened contracts and these veteran guys, and they brought in a coach who was a win-now coach, Atlanta did it organically, right? They built through the draft. They decided to tear it down. They sent away a lot of their veterans that they had because they felt like the core that they had in place had run its course. But you know that Kyle Korver types and the Al Horford types, all those guys, Paul Millsap, all those guys that were there when the Cavs were beating up on them for the four years when the Cavs were an elite team in the Eastern Conference. So I think that's more... Uh, likely because it's organic and that's the way they did that and look the Hawks have made a lot of really smart moves uh, but we wouldn't have that conversation if they didn't have Trey Young Um, so that's the thing that is going to separate a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference from the Cavs you can make a lot of smart good moves the way that the Cavs have and I was talking to somebody in the Cavs front office about this the other day Chief Bush You can do a lot of smart, right things, and you can hit on these draft picks the way that I believe that the Cavs have. But the truth is, if you don't find the star, if you don't find the guy, it's not going to be around. It's the bottom line. Memphis has done a lot of really smart things. If they don't have John Morant, they got nothing, right? Atlanta did a lot of smart things. If they don't have Trey Young, they got nothing. So the Cavs have got Isaac Okoro and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Unless one of those guys becomes the centerpiece focal point of this rebuild, they got nothing. Or unless they get lottery luck and they get somebody like Cade Cunningham, they got nothing in the sense of taking that step that we're talking about because this is a stars league and stars take you to the postseason. Chris, as always, I thank you for giving me uh, a part of your, your weekend, and, and we will check with you soon, especially when we come up to draft time. You got it, man. Anytime, bud. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.